This is What Goddesses Watch, a film and TV podcast that takes a divinely badass dive into the feminine on screen. With me, Soma Ghosh, film critic and editor of the Demoted Goddess magazine. And welcome to the finale of What Goddesses Watch Season 1. We will be back at the end of 2022, going into 2023 with a late autumn and winter sparkling season for you. Today's episode is going to be going to be thinking about this trend which was um, embodied in the Amber Heard Johnny Depp case I think of feeling that uh, a lot of culture which is still predominantly patriarchally driven has had enough of me too and feels like it's time to find a new attitude towards it, maybe deride it, laugh about it or uh, tell the male point of view because goodness knows um, we just don't have enough of that do we hearing from the men. So is it time to artistically push back on Me Too? Is it okay to joke about it or just talk about it in a more upbeat way? To discuss that, we're going to be talking about TV in the last few years and new film, The Babysitter by Monia Chokri from the play by Catherine Leger out on Mubi.com from Friday the 19th of August. And I want to think with you about the use of black comedy and farce when presenting women's abuse and also a, a big drive towards glossing up women's trauma, which I see happening across film and TV. And I think the the drive for the, the, the slasher horror, um, the, the, the monstrous uh, avenging female psyche uh, has been and anticipated by male directors long before Me Too, if you think of, for example, Tarantino's Kill Bill. And more lately, films like Prevenge, uh, about a pregnant woman on a, on a slasher spree. All the much lauded, but to me, tedious and heavy-handed, promising young woman, pick up this a stylistic thread as well as um, a, a particular way of thinking where we have the the very glossy, zingy photography, the supposedly um, femme-centric glamour being weaponized against men, against men who've done wrong. Do you remember the series starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, the eminently bingeable, uh, not terribly important and quite conventional, but um, just gloriously uh, glamorous um, murder series, The Undoing. It epitomises this glossy fake feminism that titillates us with the apparently feminine point of view and gleaming stylish screen vixens or victims who get physically and mentally ripped apart, um, therefore not really being on the side of women at all. We love the drama of women's pain and dressing it up uh, somehow gives a nod to recognising the patriarchal social structures in which that takes place while allowing us to enjoy it. And we're not dumb. I think we're we're aware that uh, a lot of productions want to titillate us with this 
view of women who are pretty and sexy, maybe not in the conventional way, and smart, um, running, being pursued, being gaslit, uh, being traumatised, being isolated in a magazine spread world in which we might want to exist. It's a real have your cake and eatism austere world of black silks and metallic nights and Manhattan skylines. I'm thinking of um, Gugu Mabutha Raw's Surface or Elizabeth Moss's Shining Girls. There is this uh, belief, I think, that um, that we're we're embedded in aspiration um, that somehow uh, we, that is women viewers, um, couldn't possibly want anything other than wanting to be at the top of a, a tree of wealth and success and displayed sexiness. And yet, unfortunately, uh, alongside having that, um, we become prey potentially to pleasing the patriarchy, by which I obviously don't mean men in general, but um, a, uh, a particular view that um, ultimately places masculine power at the, at the top of um, the, the power pyramid that um, perhaps all creatures you know, have to kind of fight it out in. Um, the Morning Show is an incredibly well-written and characterised example of this. So if you've not seen it, um, or even if you have seen it, you might enjoy thinking about it now. Um, season one, as you may know, uh, starring series uh, uh, producer Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston as two unlikely anch uh, anchors of uh, America's most popular morning show who were thrown together during the maelstrom that erupts and threatens to destroy their media company when it's discovered that Mitch, the original co-host and America's um, beloved breakfast father figure to Jennifer Aniston's Alex, together they were the, the, the mother and father, if you like, of breakfast TV, is discovered to be a sexual predator. And in that season, season one, there's been two seasons so far, season three will hopefully come to our screens before the end of this year. There is a brilliant, insightful and murky scene between Mitch and Alex as they're covering um, shootings in Vegas, uh, they uh, cling to each other, appalled by the suffering and apparently random, unstoppable cruelty of shootings like the one that they're covering. And Mitch explains to Alex that, uh, that the two of them live in a bubble, making their money through presenting the excitement of trauma and being protected from it only by wealth that it's that it's only it's only money that saves them and that's an example of the complexity and nuance which is dared by the morning show which does attempt to show Mitch in his um, vulnerability his confusion and his capacity for love 
on the one hand, the series is committed to um, exposing the complexities of power in a white male dominated world, especially for uh, women, um, people of colour who want to get on. Uh, in the episode that shows the key assault, uh, we are treated to pin sharp emotional performances from Gugu Mbatha Raw and Steve Carroll as Mitch. But this scene lives within the sassy, slick stylings of the show and the jazzy Broadway uh, satirical score um, where we're treated to things like a cabaret lounge version of Radiohead's Creep. And with these New Yorker magazine stylings, the series ultimately is just looking over its own shoulder at the question of how can we have a sexy, sassy, magazine-worthy life and at the same time confront the casualties of women and other vulnerable minorities who help to sustain that life. And I think The Morning Show is quite bold in trying to address those problems, even as it dishes up this addictively attractive world of Manhattan skyline panoramas and... um, Uh, boutique hotels and great suits and high heels and um, a kind of reveling in the um, palette of femininity of the supposed feminine perspective which we see in candy-coloured glee and gore in The Love Witch which I think is a a real comparable film to The Babysitter, which we're about to discuss. And I think if you are a fan of Pedro Almodovar or of Francois Ozon, you will love the juicy chroma of this movie. Oh, it's a sweetie pie, eye candy feast, reflecting the point of view of uh, men who want women to be delicious uh, candy for them to gaze upon and and feed upon. So there are colours of vanilla custard, cherry pie, uh, absinthe green, um, amid amid which we have Nadine, the insomniac, pallid, hollow-eyed wife and first-time mother suffering from postnatal depression. And she is tolerating a life with her husband, um, a thoughtlessly um, jolly, sexist, uh, I can't remember, is he in insurance? I think he's in insurance. Anyway, he's in, he's some, he's some, he's some, some corporate dude who likes going out to prize fights with his, um, with his suited buddies and uh, in the drunken excitement of one night uh, photo bombs and kisses a female anchor on the cheek. Uh, the video blows up, it grows, it goes viral and uh, becomes a um, cause celebre um, for, for some men and an absolutely um, scandalous act of misogyny to the majority uh, who see what he does as being um, invasive, obviously. 
And I suppose part of part of the humour of the film and, and part of its uh, risky straddling of um, uh, the the Me Too question is there's a there's a there's a latent sense of isn't this all a bit of an overreaction, just a blowing up by social media, of which we're tremendously familiar uh, by now, of um, knee-jerk, woke, oversimplifying, um, virtue signalling, fake outrage. You know, was it was it really that bad to lurch up to a famous news anchor, um, you know, as a uh, as a fan and, and and kiss her on the cheek? The vexed aggression of such questions and of sexual harassment in our culture opens the film. Um, It begins with a glorious explosion of close-ups of flesh, sweat, eyes, mouths and bristles as we find Cedric, played by Patrick Yvon, and his friends at this boxing match where the aforementioned problematic kiss occurs. And there's a wonderful bird's eye shot of the white fighting ring and the fighters writhing in in their own blood in a sexual primal battle to birth forward the ultimate male and uh, Chokri is um, tremendously uh, agile and clever and naughty um, in the way that she uses her camera in this film. On the one hand we have these magnificent overhead um, symbolic shots. Um, On the other there's the slapstick comedy of um, of Nadine, Cedric's wife, um, kneeling over in her wardrobe, rifling through her high heels, desperate to get back to work or to some kind of identity. Then, of course, there is um, the uh, dreamlike um, uh, apparition, which is Amy the uh, titular babysitter who roller skates into the family's life. And throughout the film, we might wonder if Amy is real. Is she a fairy? Is she a demon of revenge? Is she a figment of um, the character's imagination? And all the time, Chokri uh, delights in going up close to this this creature with her blonde hair, her, her self-confessed emulation of Brigitte Bardot and her vanilla and peaches flesh um, shot with bucolic lighting. And it's really great, I think, how Chokri uh, operates in all of these different um, cinematic modes um, representing the variety of positions that you might take on the question of Me Too, whilst at the same time satirising those positions. And here's where some people might feel that the film comes a cropper. 
But the film itself is aware of our spectating and our dissent and our discussion and makes that clear in the uh, whisperings and paranoia and indeed the bubblegum Instagram voyeurism which pervades some of its shots. It's a very playful film, aware of watching and of being watched and of the perils of laughing about Me Too, most of which are jokes on the men. Cedric, after his, um, after a video of him kissing the anchor goes viral, is suspended from work and forces himself to undergo a period of sensitivity training um, in which he is prodded and um, guided by his brother, a journalist who initially writes to denounce Cedric. He's the voice speak often of liberal morality in the film, saying all the right things and expressing uh, a horror that nonetheless uh, the women in the film, uh, Nadine, don't necessarily um, agree with. So when he talks about uh, all women being scared, uh, Nadine says flatly that she's not, but her voice is very often sidelined by the men as they uh, work themselves up into a fuming spume of uh, glory because, of course, they manage to make the assault all about them. Uh, Cedric is an innocent, um, as an ignorant, entitled buffoon and his brother the journalist writer who sees in Cedric's predicament an opportunity to get ahead is one of those people who um, is uh, driven by um, self-serving wokisms probably believes some of the guff that he's uh, spewing but none of his ruses, like quoting facts like 33% of women are sexually assaulted, scolding other men, um, trying, to, uh, trying to guide them, uh, ostentatiously not noticing a woman's curves and making sure that he finds out their name. All these posturings of feminist empathy fail to save him from the beguiling uh, apparition that is the babysitter. Nadia Tereskovich, who plays Amy the babysitter, uh, gallantly and sweetly walks the tightrope of this role. She really comes across as a an unconsciously creamy and dreamy girl next door. There's a, a realism underpinning her very peculiar offerings that makes her both at once um, funny and um, someone of whom we're, we're entirely unsure because her tone doesn't fit with the others in the film. And indeed, she is in some ways a, a, a chimera. She offers herself um, as Amy up to the male gaze. She, um, she offers to uh, play uh, Brigitte Bardot playing the role of a babysitter. She wanders around in a in a maid's um, sex outfit, and um, she lies about the garden, her summer dress unbuttoned, 
um, singing 70s songs about rock stars who've, who've left groupies. The film parodies the typical heteronormative male fantasies of the um, needy, vulnerable, milky, fertile nymph babysitter. And yet her reverence is reserved for Nadine, the wife, Chokri's character. And it's one of the film's achievements, the way that it portrays postpartum or um, postnatal depression in uh, rushes of hallucinatory slipstreams. It takes you in through these images of um, Nadine seeing herself as a corpse in, in her uh, nightdress strung among the hedges that she's driving by trying to trying to get her child to bloody sleep. Um, there are uh, red poppies. Um, there, uh, there's a great scene of um, comic pathos in which um, Nadine, just desperate to find somewhere to sleep, takes off to a sex motel and is um, in a uh, foaming heart-shaped jacuzzi and it's a very love witch or Almodovar-esque shot of uh, Nadine in this milk froth surrounded by uh, the, the vintage red lipstick um, plastic. And this white and red composition is a direct inversion of that primordial opening scene of the men writhing in their own blood on the white ring. Here we have the woman in the white spa foam surrounded by the glossy lipstick red bath, suggesting that Nadine sometimes plays along with the expectations of what women are supposed to want or be pleased by. And this kind of nuance around uh, a woman's um, sexuality, to what extent she um, plays to the heteronormative um, male expectations, having that, that kind of nuance alongside the dark vortex of mental illness that is depression is highly unusual, um, particularly when it's pitched in this overriding um, pace of larkiness, um, which keeps the film um, sprightly, although other people perhaps might find it um, a bit superficial. Um, I didn't feel that. I thought, in fact, there were many of, many of such scenes uh, were deserving of um, thinking about and talking about later, which is why I'm doing that right now. <laughs> um, personally, I believe that we have to find new languages, new imagery. Um, it's tremendously uh, creative, this opportunity to talk about what really happens for women in terms of their feelings and their bodies, whether or not it's about maternity or rejecting maternity, um, whether it's about sexuality. This film also um, has a, a flowering of sexuality or reflowering of sexuality that moves from uh, straightness to uh, a polysexual um, perspective. Uh, and to, to have the, the possibility of being able to talk about things like postpartum depression or menopause, about which the the world, although more than half of it will will go through it, is is still clangingly silent, um, is hugely to be welcomed. So, why joke about Me Too? I think the question is why not joke. Um, 
it doesn't mean that um, that the, that sufferings uh, need to be minimised. In fact, we know there's a you know, long-standing tradition of political humour, um, whereby um, sufferings and injustices can be exposed more starkly. And humour also allows for juicy sparring debate and the kind of inventiveness that Chokri's achieved here. Uh, when there is inappropriateness um, or insensitivity, if it is an extremely knowing insensitivity, as for example in the hilarious and surreal Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which redresses the um, typical view of um, traumatised women, that too, I think, is is refreshing, um, needful, uh, and great for art because it's it's creating new spaces. And I think the only danger, quite obviously, is um, being insulting, is appropriating female trauma simply for sensationalism. And, and there's a massive uh, vein of that in terms of the glamorising of, of female trauma, um, which we talked about at the top of the podcast. And also the danger of trivialising um, uh, not just suffering, but um, the different types of suffering and the different types of people who might be involved. And so in this film, ultimately, the men provide in the first half um, a welcome um, energy um, in terms of uh, their, uh, their, their crazy um, ego wanking scenes um, and there is this this subtext of baby men which comes up when we see furious legal feuding and frothing between the um, men who are choosing to aggress the idea that Cedric's done anything wrong in the office of Nadine's uh, baby's paediatrician um, and it does make one think about um, those uh, supposed male victims of Me Too, whether that's Johnny Depp or the tradition of fictional characters who are either wrongly accused of sexual harassment, don't have their um, their voices being heard, which which brings us back to Mitch in uh, the Morning Show. So I'm thinking of The Crucible, I'm thinking of David Mamet's play Oleana, which was revived. Um, in Bath in the UK uh, last year, and The Wife. Do you remember that film with Glenn Close in which um, her uh, writer-slash-professor husband's um, affairs are ultimately um, covered up by her? The big the big bogeyman isn't, in fact, um, although... Um, Stats such as those helpfully provided by Cedric's brother in this film um, show us that it, that it's it's women who are um, by far and away, of course, unsurprisingly, the victims of um, sexual assault and sexual harassment. But the real uh, bogeyman in the room is uh, oh, what 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 would happen if a if a man were to be wrongly accused or not kind of exactly wrongly accused, but people are making a, a bit too much of it. 
And ultimately, this film, The Babysitter, exposes that lurking suspicion in some people's minds that we're all making far too much of Me Too with a far more subtler panache than uh, perhaps might have been expected and certainly more so than uh, equivalent films like The Love Witch and Promising Young Woman. So here at What Goddesses Watch, we pay tribute to American playwright Lorraine Hansbury with our patented Pantsbury and Hansbury scoring system. Um, so the Pantsbury moment, the moment in the film for me is the flattening of the male characters. I think they just become um, damp baggage. They're, they're too wet and limp and a waste of screen space. And the Hansbury is the stylistic bubblegum verve of Chokri, her acidic genre hopping, her zip-tight editing, and the candy pop chroma that doesn't trivialise the issue of women's trauma and men's complicity or not, but rather highlights it. That's a really difficult thing to pull off. This episode of What Goddesses Watch was produced by Soma Ghosh with music by Penelope Traps. We don't interrupt your listening pleasure with advertising, but we'd love you to join us as a patron. If you enjoy this episode and you want us to make more podcasts about films by and about women, then go to patreon.com forward slash watch. That's patreon.com forward slash watch and support us from £1.99 a month or if you're listening on RSS.com, hit the donate button.